0: Man, I'm excited about you being here today. Brave in the cold, so proud of you. I always say God blesses those who seek him. And you're seeking him, and he's going to do something supernatural. If you're new, we teach on a series a lot of times. We'll pick a topic or a a study in the Bible or a character, and we'll we'll teach on it for three, four, five weeks. And this series that we're in is called One Decision Away. And why we're so excited about this series is because we truly believe and you'll see in God's word here in a second that one decision, one decision, say one, one decision, it can change everything. Like it, it happened for me when I was 22 years old, one decision, it changed my life in the short term and kind of the long term. So at 22, I wasn't hanging out like our young leaders say, I'm up here going to lead our youth, so excited. I wasn't serving kids or leading youth. I was doing, I don't know, you'll all you hear what I was doing. We were Me and my friends were at the club. And we're leaving. It's one in the morning, and they're shutting down. And we're leaving, and I'm driving. Mistake number one. So I'm driving, and I have a decision to make. We pull out of the parking lot, and my friends are like, "Turn right." I remember bo- they're both sitting in the back seat. It was weird. It was kind of like driving Miss Daisy. I'm like, "Why are you both sitting in the back seat?" But anyway, don't get that. So they said, "Turn right, turn right," but I make an executive decision to turn left because I'm like, "I'm driving the car. I'll turn wherever I want." So I turn left. Um, that was the decision I made. I drive an eighth of a mile, not even maybe that, and there's a police officer standing in the road. And I'm like, what's going on right here? I mean, is he directing traffic? Is there something that's happened? I don't know what he was doing. So I, I just like, oh, I'll just kind of drive slowly by him. So I'm driving by him slowly, and as I get right by him, he's literally standing right there. He knocks on my window, on my car door. I'm like, what the heck? So I stop, I'm like, yes, officer. I said, What's up? He said, Well, can you pull over? I said, Is there a problem? He said, well, yeah, you're going the wrong way down a one-way street. I thought, damn, no wonder they wanted me to turn, you know, so it all came to me, and anyway, that decision, I don't want to get into the details, uh, the police were nice enough to put me, up, put me up at a place for the night, so, um, so anyway, um, that decision changed a lot of my short-term life, and anyway, so ha, I've never claimed to be the best driver, I'll tell you that, but I do know one thing about driving, green means go, it means go, right? You And you know that, right? Well, what's, what's what's red mean? Stop! You, you get it. You know the rules of the road. What's yellow mean? Yes! Yeah, speed up! Praise Jesus! If you said slow down, I need to pray for you. What, what's your problem? It's Jake and I, Jake comes to Life Group with me sometimes, and two weeks ago we were at Life Group, and there's another... Uh, student there that he plays with, we do life group on this Tuesday night, and we were going home from life group, and it's so funny, my co-pilot, he's watching out for my driving, someone needs to, so I'm driving, and Jake's, all of a sudden, Jake's like, Dad, yellow light, I was like, I gotcha, boom, I just gunned it, we did it, and we made it right through it, It It's awesome. So, anyway, so, but that one decision with me and my buddies, leaving the bar, uh, it it changed me. See, this is what I believe, and the title of the message, we've already said it, green means go, God wants to do something in you, but for God to do something in you, it's going to require something of you. I want to take you on a journey today, a journey that starts way in the beginning, in the book of Genesis. And before you even go there, I'll tell you something. God has brought you here today through the cold and through the elements because he literally has a word specifically designed for you. And you might say, well, how do you know that? I'm telling you, God works in all ways. What amazes me after I preach a message, somebody will come up and say, Pastor, that, that was right for me. And somebody else, that was right for me. I'm like, of course it was. If we're preaching out of God's word and it's his will, he'll speak directly to you. And two people can hear the exact opposite thing, but God spoke to their heart. See, God's gonna speak to you. And what I need you to know is God wants to do something in you and through you. I think you're one decision away, one step away. One choice away from changing everything. But it's going to require you to go. Say go. Go Go is a big deal. Green means go. Abram knew that. Now when I say Abram, it's really Abraham. They changed his name later. But it's the same Abraham, the father of faith that you maybe have learned about in church growing up or whatever. But I I want to guide you. In fact, if you brought a Bible or the mobile app, go to the first book of the Bible, Genesis. It literally, that word literally means in the beginning. So in Genesis 12, chat, or verse 1, that's where we're going to start. As you go there, and if you don't have a mobile app or the Bible, we'd love to give you a Bible, by the way. If you don't have one, tell us. At Guest Services, we'll give you one for free. Love giving Bibles away. It's the greatest investment I can make in your life. But if you don't have that, we'll throw it up shortly on the screen too. So, But I need to set it up. In the beginning... In Genesis 1 and 2, things were pretty cool. But after that, they went downhill quick. But Genesis 1, if you don't know what it says, in the beginning, God was creating the world, the earth, the stars, the sky, the, the moon, the, the, the seas, the oceans, the animals, and, he, and it's all good. And in, and in Genesis 1, he creates Adam. And it's good. And then in Genesis 2, he, he creates a helper, a, a mate for Adam named Eve. And it's, good. it's all so good. Like, you know how good it is? At the end of chapter 2 in Genesis, if you read it, here's how it ends. Man and woman, Adam and Eve, are standing there naked and unashamed. I mean, preach, right? Can I get an amen? So it's, this is just good stuff right here. But then we get to, then we get to chapter 3. And in chapter, the next nine chapters that lead to chapter 12, which we're going to teach out of today, listen listen to what happens. I'll give you a recap. Chapter three, sin slithers into the picture. That fractures everything. Chapter four, Cain kills his brother Abel and then lies about it. Okay? Welcome to parenthood, Adam and Eve, right? I didn't do it uh, Cain, you're the only one here. Wasn't me. Of course it wasn't. So that's what he, so that, they, yeah, brother kills a brother. That's what happened. Chapter six through eight, more debauchery. It's, it's such a debacle at this point that God literally cleanses the earth in these chapters. He cleanses it says, we're going to start fresh. I just looking for one righteous person, Noah, Noah, you and your family, you're it. And I know what you're thinking. Okay, fresh start, a righteous family. And you think it's going to be good now that we have this new, new beginning. It's not. Okay? The very next uh, chapter 9, Noah gets hammered. Yep. Exposes himself to his son. Yep. I'm not making this stuff up. It's in the Bible. That's what Noah does. Chapter 10 is not much better. Men now are rebelling against God, building a tower. It's called the Tower of Babel. There's a reason for that. And a city towards God. And God knows he has to stop this rebellion, so he goes down and he changes the language. That's, where, that's how we get different languages. So, God mixes up the languages so they can't communicate and they can't keep their rebellion going against God. I also wish I could have speak another language. I don't know. Anybody bi- who's bilingual? Who speaks two languages? Yeah, I'm jealous of you. I mean, I wish I could. I, 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 you know, I, I'm learning teenager. Yeah, it's different, right? <laughs> I am. I'm Jake, a while back, I showed Jake something about the message and it was really something really cool that I was going to share. Jake's like, oh, Dad, that's sick. I'm like, no, Jake, this is going to be good. He's like, no, Dad, I know, it's sick. I'm like, oh. I'm like, I'm tracking, I'm tracking, all right. So then later, fast forward some days or weeks, and he's showing me his video game, and he was excited about it. I'm like, oh, puke. And he's like, what? (laughs) Yeah, puke. He's like, no, no, Dad. I'm like, all right, I'm trying, I'm trying. I don't get it all, but I'm trying. So anyway, so languages. So what what have I just shared? In chapters three through nine, or 10, it's 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 utter chaos. Uh, let me recap: lies, murder, deception, drunkenness, nudity, rebellion, uh, or as or as Casey says, just another day, right, Casey? Right? Uh, yeah, whatever. So, uh, sorry, I'm gonna miss you, Casey. Um, so it's it, it was bad. God knew something had to change. I think God looks at our our our, our world today, and and He knows something has to change. And something does have to change. Honestly. Many of you are here today because you want change in your life. That's why you're here. That's why God would lead you here. So how does God instigate change? God performs his plans through his people. That's what I love about his plan. And we're messed up, so we don't get it right a lot, but God still uses us because we're made in his image. So God picks Abram, later named Abraham, to do something. Just like God wants to pick you today. See, I'm telling somebody that God wants to do something in you today and then do something through you today. I believe it. God wants you to, but he needs you to go. He needed Abram to go. Let me read you the story. It's in, it's in chapter 12, verse 1. Listen to this. It's, 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 so, it's so crazy how God works. The Lord is speaking to Abram. This is what he says. Leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go. Say go. Go to the land I will show you. He don't even know where he's going. He's just like, you know what? You take a step and I'll show you the next one. You go. I'll make you into a great nation, Abram. I'll bless you so that you can bless others. But, and I'll also curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families. That's a big statement right there. All the families. All the, that includes you and me. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. God wants to do something through you. And I'll guarantee you it's way bigger and way better than what you can imagine. Abram had no idea this was going to happen. So Abram departed as the Lord instructed. And Lot, okay, that's his nephew's name was Lot. Kind of strange. Like when you talk to somebody who knows it all and they say they know a lot, you can say, you don't know a lot. Abram knew a lot. You didn't know a lot. No one got that. That's okay. You guys, it's early. So um, we'll keep going. Abram was 75 years old. When he left Haran, he took his wife Sarai, later changed her name to Sarah, his nephew Lot, there he is again, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran. And he headed for a land called Canaan. When he arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up camp beside the Oak of Morah. At that time, the area was inhabited with Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give you this land to you and your descendants. And Abram built an altar. God spoke, told Abram what he's going to do. Abram worshiped God like we're doing today. Abram built an altar, dedicated it to the Lord who appeared to him. The story is, is, is epic because literally God spoke. First thing God tells Abram in verse one, leave. He says, leave, leave. Leave your country, leave what you know, leave your friends, leave your family. And think of what Abram was saying. Are you kidding me? Like, God, leave? This is all I know. Like, this is my home. These are my people. This, that, that is my family. Those are my friends. You know, plus, God, I'm 75. Okay? Can't you talk to somebody who's like not in retirement? Okay? 75 years old. But that's why I tell people, that's what God started to really use Abraham. 75. You're never too old. You're never too old. My grandmother, when she was 75, she started walking five miles a day. Now, today she's 97. We have no idea where she is, but she still took us to, you know, anyway, so sorry. Um, But my point is, you're never too old. You're never too old. But he says, go. He says, leave and go. That's so key. Here's what I think is easy for us. Sometimes we want to go somewhere. Like when I tell you green means go and you're going to go somewhere and God's got something for you, it's easy to get excited about it. Okay, God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? You know what's harder? Leaving something. See, to go somewhere, it means you have to leave somewhere. See, sometimes we want to go, but we don't want to leave. Well, God, I want to I go and I want something new, but I don't want to, I'm still going to cling to this. And God, see, to live the new life that God has for you you can't still be tethered to the old, okay? I was just talking to a guy before the service and I said, you know what was the most miserable part of my life? I've had a lot of them actually, but one of them is when I was in my old life and I wanted to do the club and do the thing and keep doing my thing and then I still wanted Jesus and I wanted Jesus on Sundays and, and when it felt good for me, but it's, at the end of the day, it was so miserable. I, I wanted the old, but I wanted the new as well. You have to leave the old if you want the new, you get it? Leave and go, But why do we cling to the old so much? I'll tell you why. It's comfortable. It's familiar. One of the biggest obstacles to your faith will be what's familiar. I promise you. It's what you're used to, it's safe, right? It's predictable, it's secure. This, this is so key that you catch this. It, it's, it's what holds people back, these safe things. But it brings us to one of the main things I want you to know. If you're going to step into your destiny, which you know that you want, you know you want to live that way. But if you're going to step into your destiny, you have to step away from your security. Okay? If you want, you want to live your destiny. You want a life that is going to be epic and change lives and make an impact. You can have it. I'm here to tell you you can. It's not for somebody else. It's not for the people that you read about or you see on TV. It's for you. But for you to do that, you've got to step away from the security. I, um, I, I used to, the job I had before I was in ministry, it was, it was a hard job to leave. Now, what I, I didn't really love, it wasn't a calling. It wasn't like I loved it, but this is many people. It might be many of you. Where you go and what you do for 8 to 10 hours a day, you don't love it. I mean, you do it, you need a paycheck. I've been there. Man, I've been there. I worked this job, and it was it paid good. It had good benefits. It had good hours. It had all these things. But yet, if it wasn't for the 8 hours that I couldn't stand, it'd be great, right? It, you know what I'm saying? And so many people were in this almost trap, if you will. It's like making good money, and where am I going to find this kind of benefits for my family? And I mean, yeah, yeah, the eight hours sucks, but you know what? We'll get through that. and It'll be fine, and in 22 years, I'll retire. 22 years? You're just going to like grind through something you don't, you're not called to, you don't enjoy, but you know how many people are living that way? Some of you, you feel it in your heart right now because you know that's where you're at. I ain't judging you. Trust me, I've lived there, and, and God had to really you really moved me like he moved Abram to get me going. But, but what killed me about this workplace is some of the older people that worked so many years to, until they got to retirement, because there was a pension and all these things, and you could really start living. I'm not kidding you. At least two people that worked at this place that I knew were working towards retirement so they could start living, they died. I'm not kidding you. Within a week after they retired. Two! I'm like, oh my gosh. Think about that! They worked all those years to get to this point. It's like God was giving me a sign that was flashing. Go. Green means go. Don't wait. Don't wait. I wrote it down. I want to read it to you the way I wrote it down. Yeah, don't wait. Don't wait until someday to start living the life that God has for you this day. Okay? Don't wait until tomorrow to start living the life that God has for you today. Don't wait. Life's a quick trip. The older you get, the more you'll figure that out. I'm telling you. The first series that the church where I got saved at 12 years ago, the first series they were teaching on, I'll never forget it, that I I remember, remember, was called The Bucket List. And it was all about living with no regrets. Like going all in and going after it. Like not playing it safe. Do you know what I believe the number one regret most people will have if they make it to a deathbed moment? Or end of life moment where they start reflecting on how quick of a trip it was and I can't believe my kids are this big and I can't believe they're that big and I can't believe they're graduating. I can't believe they're in getting married. I can't believe they're... Having... I mean, you've all said that. You know, you know what the number one grade I believe is? Why didn't I go? Why... Why didn't, I, why didn't I take that chance? Why didn't I start that business? Why didn't I write that book? Why didn't I sell out to Jesus? Why didn't I serve here? I mean, I believe it with all my heart. We play it too safe. I'm not saying take uncalculated stupid risks. I've done a lot of those too. I'm not saying do that. I'm just saying most people play it safe. You can't play it safe and please God, you can't do it. You can't do it, I'll show you that later. But Abram didn't play it safe, think about it. Abram didn't know where he was going Oh, how he would really get there, when he would arrive, or what it was—what it even was all about. But he did—he didn't play it safe. But and he, there was no—he—he he moved. He went. He go say go, go Abram. Why did he go? It wasn't based on some prediction or some just notion or wild idea. It was based on a promise. Do you remember the promise that God gave Abram? If you don't, let me read it. God gave him a promise. I'll make you a great nation. I'll give you this land. I'll give it to your descendants. Think of how insane that sounds to a 75-year-old man. Descendants? A great nation? Dude, he had no kids. He's old. I bet he's like, God, how are you planning on all these descendants? 75? God, the the little blue pill doesn't even exist yet. How are we going to do this? Can't do it. Don't know how, I know you're God, but how is this gonna happen? When God calls you to move, when God calls you to go, green means go. When God calls you to go, here's what you need to know. Many times it's not going to make sense to you, okay? It won't. You won't have all the answers. If you did, you wouldn't need God, you wouldn't need faith, you wouldn't need to pray. You would just go because it'd be easy. It won't be easy. It won't be easy. God didn't give Abraham reasons. He didn't give him an explanation. He gives him a promise. I'll show you a land. I'll make you a great nation. I'll use that nation to bless you and bless others. How you respond to God's promises determines what God does in your life. i got to say it again. How you respond to God's promises. You all have promises from God, okay? A lot of those promises will never happen. Will God raises his promise? No, he doesn't. It just requires you to do your part. How you respond to God's promises determines what he does in your life. It's so key. We we make promises to God. I do it all the time. God, I promise I won't do that. God, I promise I will do that. And he can't change you. You don't need to do that to God. He's heard it before. He doesn't want to hear that. You're not changed by promises you make to God. You're changed when you believe the promises that God makes to you. That will change you. When you believe that and you act on it and you go, say go. Go. You go, your life will change. It will change. Abram, Abraham believed the promise, but it required him to go. And you know what going required? Faith. Abraham's known as the father of faith, right? Faith isn't easy. Like, faith requires risk. Faith requires risk. If there was no risk involved, no faith would be needed. This is so key. Two of our seven core values in our church, you're hearing about them. Risk is one of them. And the other one is growth. Because when you're risking and you're going for God and you don't have it all figured out, you will grow like you've never grown before. That's when he stretches you. That's when he grows you. When you don't have it figured out, okay? We think, we think faith is, okay, God's gonna be with me and he's gonna help me. Well, God, he better be with you because we're screwed without him. But when you're walking with him, It's so key that you catch that. Risk and growth, they go together. Most of you, if I asked you, do you want to grow closer to Jesus? You would probably say yes. Most people do. When they're seeking him, they want to grow in him. But go, but I I, I want to get it right. If you want to grow, you need to go. If you want to grow, you need to go. And going means risking. Doesn't mean that you have it all figured out. It actually means the exact opposite. You don't have it figured out. But it does mean that you're seeking, you're chasing, you're desiring, you're wanting the one who does have it all figured out. That's what it means. That's what it means. Say risk. We play it safe too much. We play it safe too much. I've been there too. Trust me, I've been there. Hard decision to lead lead meadows and start medals. I mean it. Looking back, I think I can, I, some people would say, and they told me this to my face, more than one person said, that's not a good idea. Like, like starting a new church, didn't know people in Omaha, don't have any roots here or nothing, just going to, like Abram, going to like God said to go there. We're going to go there. Don't know anybody. Don't know what we're doing. Trust me, that was us. And that was me. So God says, you're going to go start this church. People are like, that's not a, that's not a good idea. Monty, you're leading a campus of like 900 people. It's growing, it's thriving, lives are changing. Why would you do that? Why would you leave when you're so, God is using you in such an amazing way here. And not just me, but our team and the people were being, it was amazing. That makes no sense. But I'm like, okay, I'm reading the word of God. I feel like God is speaking to me through the word. Psalm 23, he lets me rest in green meadows. As soon as I hit that, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And I knew that God was doing something, but I wasn't positive. It wasn't 100%. It'll never be 100%. Stop waiting for 100%. It it doesn't exist. I'm telling you, no faith is required with that. I say if you're 51%, pull the trigger. You know, just do it. See what happens. Will you fail? Probably. I hope so. If you're not failing, you're probably not living. Okay? So go for it. 51%, good enough. And I was maybe, I don't even know if I was 51%, to be honest with you. I just knew it wasn't easy. I just knew what God was calling us to do wasn't easy. But why do I always say to you, and I've said this before, and if you haven't heard it, you'll hear it for the first time maybe right now. The biggest temptation for you and I is to do what's easy rather than what's right. Is our biggest temptation. What would be easy for me is to stay where I was, keep leading that charge, and God's moving, and I could justify it by playing the God card and saying, oh, God has me here. Look what he's doing. Why would he call me from this? But But I knew in my heart, I knew he was doing something. And I knew if saying wouldn't be right, So here we leave that, we come here, and then two and a half years ago, we're meeting in a church, or not meeting, we're meeting and gathering like a half dozen people in the basement of a house, okay? I remember like we gather one day and it's like six of us, I'm like, oh boy. Um, And then I thought about those people that said, Monty, that's not a good idea. I'm like, dang, were they right? Is this not a good idea? And then I start casting vision with these people, I'm like, you guys, here's what we're going to do we're going to invite people and we're going to tell people about us. And, then, and it's like, why are the naysayers always the loudest in your head? It's like, sometimes you hear these thoughts and there's probably only one or two people saying it, but it feels like thousands. And, uh, and I'm telling them, I'm like, let's start inviting and let's start gathering. And we moved here for this. And as I'm saying that, you know what I'm thinking in my heart? I'm thinking, really? We're, we're meeting in a house basement so we're asking people to come. Hey, come, come to this church. We're new. I know you don't really know me or know the people's house, but come. We meet down in the basement. It's awesome. I think you'll love it. You know what I thought to myself? Who's going to come to that? And it's like it was a marquee sign flashing, weird people. That's, who, that's who's going to come to that. Freaks are going to come. I, mean, I was like, would oh, show up. You know. And if you, I mean, by the way, if you were coming during that time, I'm sure you're not the weird person. It was probably somebody else, okay? Yeah, right. <laughs> so anyway, so, yeah, but that's what we did. And people started inviting, and guess what? People started coming. And yes, a lot of them were weird, but we didn't care. We just wanted people. And, and, and weird or not, they just we were welcoming everybody because we knew that we were probably pretty weird to them too. So we start gathering, and we outgrew that house in a couple months, moved to a business in Bellevue and start reaching more people there outgrew the business in three months. And then we moved here and did our official launch. And then we see what God is doing and more people are coming and people are inviting people and lives are being changed and pretty soon salvations are happening and people are getting saved and changed and marriages are being restored. Addictions are being broken. People are getting baptized. And I think back and I reflect on those people that told me that with those naysayers that were just glaring in my ear, that's not a good idea. That's not a good idea. That's not a good idea. And what I want to say to them is you're right. It wasn't a good idea. It was a God idea and where God guides God provides you gotta believe that you gotta trust that if your God is so big like we claim he is you gotta believe that when you take a step he'll meet you that he's not going to leave you in that God if you're guiding me to this you will provide for me you will walk with me it won't be easy though man it won't be easy now we talk about planting crossover church with Casey and Amanda, and they're going to plant uh, up in Bennington and Elkhorn area, and we're praying over that. And I will guarantee you, Casey, you haven't told me this, but I bet you and Amanda have had thoughts. What are we doing? Holy crap. What, what? You know, this is hard work, and we're casting vision, and we're laying the foundation. And maybe you've had the thought, I can't do this. And I would say, you can't, but he can. Okay? And guess what? You don't need the faith, Casey and Amanda. You don't need the faith to even finish it. All you got to do is have the faith to start. If you have the faith to go. Because if God called you to it, God will see you through it. He will. It's what he does. God is doing a work. I'm so excited about... I could go on about planting and how healthy that is for our church. you got to come to that meeting. We're, we're gathering and having a meeting on the 27th. 27th, Monday at the Good Life. It's a bar. I mean, we can't help it. We just pick bars. We love it. So... Um, But we'll give you more details um, online or on your prayer page, but I'm so excited to cast vision about what God's doing. You know what scripture really hits me when I share all this with you? It's a scripture that I can't ever get by when I talk about faith and risk and you going and green meadows means go. It's a scripture that changed my life because someone told me once, and you hear me say it. I've already said it today twice. If you're listening, you heard it. You can't play it safe and please God you can't do it. You want to you want you you can displease God. Many people do. They don't even know it. Their lack of faith does it. Hebrews 11:6. It is impossible, say impossible, to please God without faith. If you are not living life with faith in areas of your life, you are living a life that displeases your heavenly Father. It doesn't mean he's doesn't mean he doesn't love you. It doesn't mean he's mad at you. It just means he's disappointed that you're not trusting him enough to take steps when he's asking you to take steps. Most people will play it safe. Most people will. You know what? I'll just I'll just bide my time. I've only got six more years till I retire. Then I'll start living. Really? Then you'll start living? I don't even read about retirement in the Bible, by the way. I don't even read about it. I, so I don't know where we get this notion. But that's 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 our mindset. I'll start living then. Then then I can really live for me. Is that the goal? I thought the goal was to die to yourself and live for Christ. That's what a Christian, that's what our goal is supposed to be. But in our, in our mindset, especially in America, I'm not afraid to say it. I've had this mindset many times in my life, so I'm not like judging you, that's for sure. I'm, our, our thing is once we get to this point, then we can go on these trips. Then we can go on these vacations. I have nothing, there's, I want to go on trips, I want to go on vacations. Nothing wrong with that. But to say I want to get to a point in my life where I can just do nothing, but just it's all about me. Okay, that's the exact opposite. Of the life that God has called you to leave. The exact opposite. But it, it, but in the, you know how many, especially Americans, our mindset, once I get there, then I can do this. Then it's about me. Then I can put my feet up. And then I can, you know, get, join the golf club. And then I can... Missing it. 75 years old. 75 years old. And God is like telling us, if you're not dead, he's not done. And even as I talk about faith, i got to be straight with you. Every day, I ask God for measures of faith in my life. I don't have it figured out. I'm like, God, fill me. I'm the pastor of this place. I need faith. It's like I'm lacking today. I'm not trusting today. I'm not believing your promises today. I need you. So if you lack faith, don't feel like you're less than. A lot of people struggle. This is why we do this together. This is why we gather together to encourage one another. My gosh, you know how, you know where I really lack faith? And this will be ironic coming from a guy that really sucks at driving, but I don't have faith in other people's driving. I don't. I'm not kidding you. Like, I've seen somebody in the parking lot, scares the heck out of me. So, I, like, <laughs> you know how much faith I have in your driving? This is how much faith I have in your driving, especially you, Casey. Like, when I get to a roundabout, I look both ways. I'm just saying. I don't, I just, that's how much faith I have in your driving. I don't know. I lack faith. I need God. But I know if I want to grow, if I want God to fill me with the faith, I have to go. See, he'll extend the faith as you seek him, as you hear about him. Like I'm giving you faith today and I'll show you how. At least I'm trying and God, I hope, is doing it. I gotta ask you a question. We're asking questions in this series, just just one question about what God is doing in you. See the last thing I want to do is spend time preparing a message and praying to God and then we come and we gather and we hear it, but we do nothing with it. I don't, I don't, I don't want to, because I've done that many years in the church. That's where I was. I'm like, ah, it's coming, whatever, and go and eat and live my life during the week and come back. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to give you a tangible, actionable step. This is what I want to ask you. Where is God calling you to go? Where is God calling you to go? If you grab a note note page, it's on there. You can fill it out. If you didn't, you can just write, put it in your phone or whatever. Where is God calling you to go? It might not be a physical place like it was with me going to omaha or abram going to this land that god's going to show him it might be in your job it might be in your career it could be calling you to go and maybe mentor a child in the school system or serve be part of a dream team in the church it could be starting that that writing that you've always wanted to start that book or that blog it could be going to school and finishing something it could be in your family, some habits that you want to start in your family so you can continually point you and your spouse and your children to the Lord by building these habits. Where is He calling you to go? I'm, I'm, I'm begging for you to write something in there, one thing that you write in there, and that you'll act on it. Is it crossover church? Is it being part of a church plant where it's all hands on deck, just like it is here? I'm just telling you, for some of you, God will call you to be a part. Especially if you're closer to that area than you are here. But even if you're not, you know there's people here that 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 are they live in Bellevue Pavilion, they're like, we're going. And one guy's like, if you need me there, I'm there. I'm like, wow. Here I am, Lord, send me. Is it being a part of that? See, God wants to use you in bigger ways than you think, but it won't be easy. Stop thinking that. Is it a life group? What is it that God is calling you to go into? Green means go, a business idea. Where would we be if Abram and Sarai hadn't have gone? You know the nation of Israel was founded through them. Through the nation of Israel came the roots of the Bible. It came Moses and King David. What if they hadn't have gone? What if they had played it safe? didn't play it safe. They took a chance. And go figure, God's promises came true. Abram was a father of many nations. Many people were blessed through him and still are being blessed through him. Do you think, let me ask you, do you think there were times that they wanted to quit? I'll guarantee you they were. Some of you walked in here in a demeanor with your mind that you want to quit something that God has called you to. I, I want to encourage you. Maybe you should if it's something that that you're not supposed to be doing. But if it is, You know how many people want to quit in areas of their life? It happens to us all the time. That's why we need encouragement. I'll guarantee you they wanted to be—wanted to quit. And you know what I wrote down? The more God wants to use you, the more likely you'll be tempted to quit. Think about that for a second. The more God wants to use you, the more likely you're going to be tempted to quit. Where are you called to go? When you go, will there be trials? Yes. Will there be doubts? Yes. Will it be easy? No. Will will there be difficulty? Yes. Will there be setbacks? Yes. But God didn't call you to easy. He didn't call you to an easy life. He called you to like a faith-filled. Purpose-driven, devil-stomping, world-changing. That's what he's called you to. Who wants to step into something like that? That's the church we are. Oh, it's hard as heck. Bring it on. I'm not alone. I got a king with me. He's with me wherever I go. That's what you step into. Oh, and by the way, through Abram and Sarai, Abraham and Sarah, came another king named Jesus. What if they hadn't have gone? That's where the king came from, our king, that reigns supreme today, Jesus. You know what Jesus said? He said a lot of great things. One of my favorites is something we throw before you all the time said, I want you to, man, if you memorize scripture, memorize this one. Matthew 28, verses 18 and 19, Jesus marching orders before he ascends up into heaven physically. Jesus came and told the disciples, I have been given all authority. Understand that. He has all authority. So when he's in you, guess what that gives you? Authority. Authority. You have the authority. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations he gives his marching orders. As I prepare this week and pray for you, God leads me to where he called some of the first disciples. If you don't know who he called out first, Peter and Andrew, brothers, fishermen. Jesus walks up, basically says, let's go. You know what they did? This is nuts. Immediately, didn't pray about it. Didn't, didn't, didn't make a list of pros and cons about it. Drop their nets. Where are we going? He continues walking, gets to James and John, two other brothers, also fishermen. Hey James and John, let's go. Immediately the Bible says dropped it. And they're leaving lucrative businesses. How do I know that? You know James and John's when they they got out of the boat, their dad Zebedee was still in the boat with hired help. Okay, it was a business. They had hired help. They made money. They're not leaving just some boat that was just worthless. They left something pretty good for something great. They left immediately. I could go on and on. Matthew, a tax collector. Jesus walks up. This guy's making bank. And Jesus walks up. Matthew, let's go. Gets up, leaves the trade show right there. It's Saturday. The trade show still goes on until Sunday. He didn't care. He just got up and left. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And he used these, these ordinary people to change the world. Jesus, i got to pray about it. i got to make a list about it. They didn't do that. By the way, when someone tells you, hey, you know what, let me pray on that, what they're really probably saying is, I don't want to do what you're asking me. I just need to get some time. I'll go home. Let me make up something better, and then I'll come back and tell you why. Okay? I'm just saying. Just saying. Not all the time, but a lot of times. Because I've done that. So, they immediately did it. And I tell you that about the disciples because I reflect back on the story. I wanna encourage you to go back and read Genesis 12 on your own this week. What, notice the words, notice the adjectives, the action words that Abraham and Sarai, I wrote them down. They departed, they headed, they traveled, they journeyed, they went. See, I believe with all my heart church there comes a time when we need to just stop praying for God's will for our life and we need to take a step of faith into the will, into the plan that he's already laid out before you! When you take a step, he'll meet you! He'll guide you! He'll be with you! He'll, he will change your world! Jesus, will you change us? Normally it's one blank today, it's two. Where are you calling to go to? Who are you called to go after? Why do I say that? Because we are a church that so will always go after the one. It's why, it's why we started Meadows Church. Never forget the mission of the church, to lead people to Christ and their God-given purpose. That is why we exist. The reason that God's hand is on this church, I believe it with all my heart is because God is moving in you. You are the church when you get about the father's business and you get excited about what's happening on the weekend you're going to invite people you're going to tell people i talked to people today new guests today if you're new thank you for coming i'm telling you god loves you he has a plan for you you have a purpose in life and thank you to the people that invited thank you that's how we reach more people that's how people's lives are changed look at mike's story you've heard about him and the trailer and the, the burned and then mike comes in we, we know the story His daughter recommits her life to Christ. I'm like, the ripple effects keep happening. Why? Because Mike saw green, and green means go. And now he's going. And where he's going, he, he can't shut up about Jesus. And people are being changed. He can't. I said, Mike, shut up. He said, no, I won't. See, I tell you, he just won't do it. Something crazy happened this week. Crazy. So I get a call from jail. And it wasn't Casey. It was weird. Normally, it's him. But <laughs> I tell you, I'm going to miss him. I'm going to miss him. Um, normally, the number that popped up, it would be Mike calling when he was in jail. And I first start communicating with him. And we start sharing the guy. Ga- you know, all that. So I'm like, I don't know who this would be. So I answer it. It's this guy. Well, he knows Mike. And he calls me. His name's Marcus. I said, he goes, he goes I know you don't know me. But I know, Mike, we were in prison together, and then we were just in jail recently together. And he said, I saw something that I couldn't believe. This is what he said. He said, Mike was in jail with him, broken, deflated, dead, basically. And he said, I watched this guy transform. (laughs) So I think about that, Marcus had a back seat, like in the stands watching. So as we're communicating with Mike and we're having visitations and sharing the gospel and Mike is surrendering his life to Christ, so Marcus is seeing every day, he's watching Mike's life. And Mike is going from broken and hurting and struggling and whatever to this man who's all of a sudden bold and trying to live differently and every time he swears, he does push-ups and he's just living different. And he's reaching people with Jesus and he's excited and he's talking about the Bible and sharing scriptures. And Marcus, it, it, it probably wasn't what Mike said, it was how, how Mike was living. And Marcus is like, holy cow, So he sees the way Mike is going and going and going. Say go, go. He's going. And Marcus comes up, this is what he told me. He said, I asked him, I said, I gotta know what's going on. How, I've known you for years. Dude, you've been in the, you, you, this isn't you. You know what? It wasn't Mike. It was Christ in Mike. That's what it was. And he says, "I, I, I need to know what's going. I mean, I'm dead like you were, wow. And what does Mike do? Points him to the local church. I love it. This is, uh, I love that he points him to the bride of Christ. Of course you'd point to the bride to get to the groom. And he so I say to Marcus, I, I heard his whole story. I'm like, oh my gosh. I said, Marcus, do you want what Mike has? You know what he said? That's why I called. That's why I called. In that moment, I said, okay, here we go. And I started to unpack a story of Jesus Christ going to a cross and dying, dying on that cross. And then three days later, rising from the dead, the pinnacle of Christian faith hinges on that one event. Christ rose from the dead. True story. And if you can believe that and surrender to it, you can be saved. Just like Mike was. And guess what? Just like Marcus was. Because that day, he gave his life to Christ. I'm telling somebody, get loud. I need you to get loud. We're not called to maintain. We're called to multiply. We're called to go. That's what God's doing. He was changed. Here's what blew me away with what he said as we closed the conversation. By the way, we've sent him resources just like with Mike. We've sent him Bible. We've sent him devotionals. You've sent it, by the way. You're the church. You've sent it. You're pouring into him. Calls me almost every day. You know what he said to me? He said, it was like I was talking to myself again. He said, I've always believed in Jesus. I can tell you he wasn't walking with him and he didn't surrender to him. And that's my heart. I believe there's so many people that would have a head knowledge of Jesus. There's no heart relationship. And if that's you today, I'm, I'm begging you. Surrender your life to Christ. Today. Surrender it all. Sell out to Him. We'll pray with you. We'll walk with you. Just like we are with Mike, with Marcus, and with many others that are going to be impacted through you. This is how I want to close. I want to invite the prayer team to come up to the stage with me. I, wrote, I, asked, you to, I asked you something. I said, who, who are you going after? You all know people that don't have a church home or don't know Christ. You all know somebody. And, and my question is, prayer team, coming up. I want you on the stage for this because you're going you're gonna to raise your hand over our church. Um, yeah, I, did you know you were coming up here? Ah, yeah, I know. I'm sorry about that. But it's probably better that you didn't know. No, come up on the stage, on the stage. I, just to make it more uncomfortable. I'm here to help. So, these are your prayer warriors, a part of the team for this service. So, right right after this, they'll be down here and they'll be available to pray during the worship song or after. You don't leave here with, unless you, if you need prayer. Let me tell you something. We're going after the One. The way we're going to reach the One, the mics, the Marcuses, I could go on and on, is through you. It won't be through me. My job is to equip you. Now, I'm going to invite two. I'm going to do my part because I'm part of this church. I need to. But but I, I'm I'm telling you, somebody told me how lost people meant so much to them. I said, "Well, who are you going after?" And they had a hard time answering that. And once they answered, I thought to myself, "When is the last time you prayed for them?" That 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 line about who you're going after—it's probably it's someone you know. It's not a stranger. It's a friend. It's a family member. It's a it's a colleague. It's um, a student. I don't know who it is. You do. Write the name in there. Right? I mean it. Write the name in there. And I'm gonna give you. 30 seconds to write a name in there, and and I'm going to pray with you during the 30 seconds, because my, my question for you and for me is, when is the last time you prayed for that person? I'm asking. Someone asked me that this week, and it, it was a gut check for me. We, we've got to be about reaching people that don't know Jesus. We need to be intentional, write the name down. We need to pray for them, and then we need to go. Say, go. We need to go after them. I'm going to pray for the, the people on your sheet, in your phones, and on your heart right now. I'm going to pray for them. But after we pray for them, um, I'm going to invite the host team and we're going to pass out something for you to help you remember the one. T- prayer team, just extend a hand over our church. Father, I thank you so much for your goodness and your grace. We will be a church, I pray God, I know the devil wants to keep us all busy and all distracted. We won't let it happen. We're going after lost people, broken, hurting, desperate people, sad, lonely, they're all over the place. We're surrounded by them. We don't have to go to some evangelical event to find them. They're in our they're in our houses. They're in they're our neighbors. They're our best friends. They're the people we go out drinking with sometimes, God. They're, they're the people that we call on the phone. They're the people that we're friends with on social media. They're the people that we're working with. We don't, we just have to tell them what God is doing in us. We just have to say, hey, I'm excited. Would you, do you want to be a part? If we will do that, be intentional. Remember the one that we're going after and we invite them. God, you will change their lives. You're doing it. You're showing us proof. I believe this whole trailer thing, you're teaching us about what it means to walk by faith. You're teaching us that if we will do our part, you will do yours and you'll blow the doors off this place. And you want to do so much more than that. God, we lift up everybody on the sheets, everybody in the hearts, everybody in the minds. God. We pray for them. We pray that they feel your presence as we pray this prayer. We thank you for the people that are gonna go after them. We're gonna love them, we're gonna invite them, we're gonna continually do whatever we can, we're gonna pray for them. And God, we'll do our part, we know you'll do yours, and together, we'll change our city, we'll change our community, we'll change our world. We love you, we pray in Jesus' name, and we all say, amen. Prayer team, you can just go down here, and host team, uh, we're gonna pass buckets. What you're gonna get in these buckets are uh, um, stickers these. And they're going to pass them out. These are just round green stickers. Green means what? That's right. These stickers, just take a sheet. Everyone gets, just take one of these sheets. And what I want you to do, I've already done it on my phone, on my Bible, on my um, folder. I I take a sticker and I'm putting it where I can see it. And the sticker's reminding me of who I'm going after. I'm going after the one I've already got. I've got more than one right now that's on my list. There's a li- I got a list of three. But I'll be honest. Before this week, I was doing some praying. But I got. I want to get intentional. I want a reminder. I want a physical reminder that when I look at this little green means go, it's going to remind me who I'm going after. People matter to Jesus, so they matter to me. So I want to encourage you with these stickers. Green means go. With these stickers, you'll put it on your phone. You'll put it on your laptop. You'll put it on your Bible. You'll put it on whatever is before you. As a daily reminder, number one, you pray for that person. Number two, you'll do whatever you can to go after that person. And when that person comes and you get them to come to church or they give their life to Christ, you can take that sticker. I thought about having a cross. We just start putting those stickers on that cross. We fill a cross with stickers and it's just all green. And then we'll get another cross and another cross. I mean, I wanna wanna do whatever it takes, but I know with me, I get busy, I get distracted the devil messes with me like he messes with you, but if I have a reminder, a sticker that says, this is the one that God has called me to go after, I, that's what I want. We'll change the world. That's what I want to do. I'm going to pray for you. Stickers are still getting passed, right? Yeah. Awesome. So as I pray, just, just remember they're going to get past you. Will you take a sticker and put it wherever you can see it? That's why I give you a sheet so you can put it in different spots. The last scripture I need to share with you, Romans 10:17. so faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. If you heard nothing else today, Jesus Christ loves you. Jesus Christ died a disgustingly horrible death so you could live an incredibly blessed, purpose-driven life. If you will sell out to the miracle that he rose from the dead, and not just believe it in your head, but sell out in your heart, the Holy Spirit will enter into you and you'll know it, you'll be changed. You won't be perfect, you'll still mess up, but it'll compel you to live differently. That's how people like Mike, they know it's, they don't even have to talk to him. It's, something's different. Yeah, when the Holy Spirit's inside of you, you'll live differently, I promise you. I love you so much, I love being your pastor. I love moments like this where we can come together and say, God's just getting started. Father, have your way. Do what only you can do. We surrender our hearts We surrender our minds, we surrender our bodies, we surrender our souls to you, God. We're going after the one. Green means go. There's places that we need to go, there's things we need to go towards. Give us the courage to write it down and go after it. And then there's people. There's the one that we're gonna go after. That one person, God, that you called us to to invite. God, that's why the invite cards are purposely on the chairs this week. Is that we'll put a sticker right on the card. We're going after the one. And if we all go after the one God, the the truth is, God, if we do our part, you'll do yours. Father, you remember the story that that pastor shared with me this week, don't you? The story of that pastor that said that a gentleman at his church comes twice a year for the last two years. And God, what that pastor told me is that the pastor asked the gentleman when he he saw him outside the church, hey, you've come before. He's like, yeah, I come twice a year, the last two years. And the pastor said, well, can I ask why, just two? He says, yep, Christmas and Easter. He said, well, why don't you come more? He said, those are the only two times I'm ever invited. And I'll never forget that. We think people aren't receptive. We think people aren't open. We think we're crossing boundaries. Oh, are you kidding me? That's why we exist. People are desperate. People are hurting. Oh, I know they look good on the outside. I know it seems like they got things together on Facebook. What's the real story? they would kill for an invitation for life and hope. And Jesus, will we be a church that will give it to them? Father, we love you. We thank you. My prayer is that people will do what you're calling them to do. And they'll come. They'll pray. We'll love them. We'll walk with them. And the world will never be the same. In Jesus' name, I pray. And we all say, amen.